everybody who's listening to us by live stream, good morning to you, and we're glad that you're worshiping with us by live stream. If you are one who likes to fill in um, outlines, you'll find one in the newsletter inside your bulletin, and there are some blanks. If you happen to miss one inside the newsletter, there's a little box that, that gives you the answers to those. And if you don't like doing any of that, just ignore everything I just said. Have to pay attention from here on out, but the previous ones have said. By the way, let me just say how thankful I am for the, the series that Pastor Andy's doing in the celebration service. It's been great. It's called Here Comes Heaven. And if you want to do a double dip and come to that service and come to this one too, then you'll be getting a double blessing because it's wonderfully done. It's beautiful. The decorations are great as they are in here. How about these poinsettias, or is it poinsettias or poinsettias? These red flowers up here are wonderful, and uh, I appreciate so much the Caring Angels who do uh, a great job. They're so faithful to, to visit those who are on our Caring Angels list, and that's where these things are going to end up eventually and be a blessing uh, to those folks too. So my heart is full. We've got so much going on here. It's great. Um, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 is our scripture today. I invite you to join with me and follow along as we read these words. In the 15th year of the reign of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to the son, to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may or may not know that I really, really like um, the Peanuts uh, comic strips and characters. If you could see my tie, I'll, I'll show it to you. I have my Peanuts Christmas tie on today. I love the movies. It's a family tradition for us to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special while we're putting up our Christmas tree every year. Um, it, it just, I love it for some reason, and maybe you do too, but if you have read it at all, you've probably seen the episode where um, Lucy holds the football for Charlie Brown to kick, and he takes a run and go, and he comes, runs, 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 and then right at the last minute, she picks up the football, and he kicks and ends up and falls on his back. And um, this has been an ongoing thing year after year or time after time. And I, one comic strip I read, he had, uh, he had been through that so many times. And she said, come on, Charlie Brown, kick the ball. And he said, no way. I, every time you do that, uh, every time I do that, I fall for it. You always pick the ball up and I always end up on my back. And she can't get him to do it. And then she just burst out into tears. And she says, Charlie Brown, I've been so terrible to you over the years. I've, I've picked that ball up, and you've fallen and hurting yourself on, on your back, and I've played so many cruel tricks on you. But now I've seen the errors of my ways. I've been so wrong. Can't you just give a poor, penitent girl 
another chance. And he was just kind of struck by her tears. And, and he, he said, well, Lucy, of course I'll give you another chance. And so he, he got his distance back, and she held the ball. And, um, well, this is what happened. Okay, you could have predicted that, right? And then as Charlie Brown is lying on his back, Lucy looks down at him and she says these words, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things, Charlie Brown. Recognizing your faults and changing your ways are two different things. And the voice crying in the wilderness says, Amen, Lucy, because that's exactly what John the Baptist was proclaiming. He was giving a message of repentance. He said, the king is coming in. I've been sent to prepare you. And to prepare you is to tell you to repent. Um, recognizing your faults and changing your ways are two different things, though. You see, the classical definition of repentance goes something like this. Uh, it's the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for what's wrong. Let's think about the two parts of that classic definition reviewing one's actions okay i see what i've done and then feeling bad about it and you know that's about as far as most of us want to go when it comes to repentance it's like oh yeah i see what i did and i sure do feel bad about it but you see that's not the biblical definition of repentance at all the biblical definition of repentance means this it means to actually change our minds, to actually change our way of thinking, and then to change our direction. Other words, I'm going this way, and this way that I'm going, this way that I'm thinking, this way that I'm behaving is away from God's will for me. I see that, and I make a change of mind, and I make a change of direction. I was going my way, and then now I'm going God's way. And that's what John was preaching. That's what Jesus preaches. That's what God wants for us. As a matter of fact, it may be the foremost characteristic of a Christian to be one who knows how to repent. Um, that's the only way to follow Christ. Now, why do we need to emphasize this so much? Why is repentance so important? Well, you see, we all have this problem. You have it. I have it. We all have it. We like to go our own way. It's the classic thing that I've been saying since I was two years old. And you, if you don't believe me, you can just ask my mom. I want to do it my way. I want to do it myself. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all uh, turned to our own way. And the way that we turn, the way our way of doing things, sometimes leads us down the road to ruin. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a person but its end is the way of death. One of the best stories I can think of in the Old Testament that illustrates this is from Numbers 21. Uh, God is trying to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. They've, they've come out of Egypt, and Moses is trying to, to lead them through the wilderness, and, and things are not going well. Uh, 
there's a lot of grumbling. There's a lot of complaining. There's a lot of whining. They, they speak out against God. They grumble against God. They grumble against Moses. They whine about the desert. They whine about the water. They whine about the manna. They just whine about everything. And because of their attitude, God sends to them an attitude adjustment in the form of poisonous snakes. Can you even imagine? All these poisonous snakes coming into the camp and they start biting the people. At that point, the people become extremely focused on the situation at hand. There's nothing to give you clarity like being bitten by a poisonous snake, I would imagine. I would imagine. And they not only have uh, uh, an awareness of, of their situation and, and their actions, uh, but they also feel regret. They go to Moses and say, we're, we're so sorry about this. Can you help us out here? And so God provided a way out. This is verses 8 and 9 in Numbers 21. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, a, a bronze snake. Put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. And so when anyone turned and looked at the bronze snake, they were healed. They lived. In other words, God was saying, you're headed down this road, and it's the road to destruction. But if you turn around and you look this way, you'll live. But I want you to listen to this little detail of the story. Many of the people died. They died. They died just because they refused to turn and to look at the deliverance that God had put out there for them. Why in the world would anyone do that? Why would they do that? Well, I don't really know for sure. I have a great imagination, though, and so I'm imagining all of these things. I'm imagining there's a group of people that, um, they're the, the rules committee, okay? And, and they get together and they say, well, you know, we're not really supposed to do any graven images. That's one of those Ten Commandments. And, and so that bronze snake was almost like a graven image. So I don't think we're going to do that because that's going to break one of the rules. And we're the rules committee. And so we don't break rules. We're going to do things our way. And uh, so they made it to the tabernacle just in time for their own funerals. And then there's another group of people. We'll call this the activity committee. The activity committee says, you know what? I think if we ran around and we did a bunch of good deeds, if we, we helped a lot and we were active a lot, we could probably work all of this poison out of our system and be okay. And so they worked themselves to death, literally. And then I imagine another committee. This is the denial committee. This is the committee that says, you know, I really don't, I think this is just a scratch. I don't even really think we've been bitten at all. Uh, so uh, I think if we just get together and we think good thoughts and maybe we sing some happy songs, then everything will be all right. And they all got together and they died with a smile on their face. And then uh, there's another group of people, they decided, uh, hey, you know, we need to cash in on this. This is probably the finance committee. Um, just joking, y'all. Just joking. So the finance committee got together and they said, you know, we, we need to cash in on this. And so they started selling snake oil. 
and they said, you know, we think this snake oil is really going to take care of it. And, man, people were just dying to get their hands on that snake oil. And then they were just dying. So biblical repentance is to change the hardest things in the world to change. And that's our way of thinking. To change our thinking. And then to change our direction. Because you see, sometimes we're driving down the road to ruin. And we need a U-turn. So, if this is so necessary, and if we are not very good at it, what is it that keeps us from changing our thinking? What is it that keeps us from changing our direction? What stands in our way? I call these the three S-I's. The three S-I's that keep us from turning God's way. The first one is our stubborn independence. Our stubborn independence. Something about our thinking that needs to change is the idea that we can do it all ourselves. We just, we can do it ourselves. From the time we were two years old, I do it myself, Mommy. I, you know what I mean if you have kids. Here, let me help you. Daddy, I do it. Okay? That little two-year-old grows up to, to be a grown-up, and we still say, I want it, I'm doing it myself. I got this handled. And then, I'm speaking from experience, I have to get to the point where I say the most uncool, unmacho thing in the world you can say, which is, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Many of you have heard of the AA's 12-step program, and um, you know the first step is, the most important one is that we admit that we're powerless over fill-in-the-blank that our lives have become unmanageable, unmanageable. In other words, I've changed my thinking to, this, to the point that I no longer think that I can do it, and I say, I can't. I can't do it. And then the other side of that is to say, but God can. I can't, but God can. And I pray that it doesn't take poisonous snakes biting us to teach us that we can't do it all on our own. I'm telling you this from, from experience because um, I have stubbornness on both sides of my family and I, I, I married someone who has stubbornness on both sides of their family. So our children don't stand a chance in the stubbornness uh, field. Uh, stubborn independence can be great sometimes, sometimes not so much. Another thing that keeps us from turning around is satisfied inertia. I know you remember from your science class that inertia is the resistance of any object to change. That an object in motion will remain in motion and an object at rest will remain at rest unless it's acted upon by an outside force. See, we're going the way we're going and sometimes it's the wrong way and we're just going to keep on going that way because it's, it's easier to just keep doing what you're doing or we're not doing something, we're at rest, okay? And we're just going to stay at rest we're not going to do anything. We're not going to change just because we get used to it. You know, you can get used to something even if it's bad. It's just, well, I know it's bad, but it's what I'm used to. When I was a kid growing up, we used to go see my 
my great aunt, my grandmother's sister, my great aunt Pearl. I loved to go to Aunt Pearl's house because she lived in a big old antebellum looking home with big old oak trees all around and places that little boys love to run around and see. The house looked like it was haunted to me. I was both scared of it and excited to run around and look at it at the same time. And um, Aunt Pearl was just, she was like letting me go and I'd, I'd sneak around and look around that big old house. We went to see her the first time, and uh, Aunt Pearl was not used to having little ones around, so I was just a little boy, and she said, um, would you like some Kool-Aid? And I said, yes, ma'am, I would like some Kool-Aid. She made it specially for me. And I sat down at her kitchen table, and she gave me that Kool-Aid, and I brought it up to my face, and I, I literally almost threw up on the table. Uh, you see, Aunt Pearl had sulfur water, any of y'all from the country ever know what sulfur water is? It's, it's, I don't know how to even describe it. It smells like rotten eggs and, uh, and, 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 and of course you make Kool-Aid with it and the Kool-Aid looks like Kool-Aid, but the Kool-Aid smells like rotten eggs. And I didn't know what was going on and my mother was like trying to pinch me to keep me from saying, Aunt Pearl, you know, um, so, but she explained to me what was going on. And going back home that day, I said, Mom, how can Aunt Pearl stand to drink anything that comes from that water? And she said, well, son, she's just gotten used to it. And she just really doesn't smell it anymore. Isn't it something how you can just get used to something? Just get used to doing something the wrong way or thinking things the wrong way or saying the wrong things. or You just get used to doing nothing. And unless you're acted upon by an outside force, unless you have the Holy Spirit who is acting on your heart or the Holy Spirit who's sending a John the Baptist who's the voice crying in the wilderness who's saying to you, Aunt Pearl, did you know your water smells like rotten eggs? Unless you have that person in your life, we all need a John the Baptist, don't we? Just somebody to tell us the truth. The outside force to break our inertia. The third SI that keeps us from turning is what I call satanic interference. Because, see, we do have an enemy of our soul who wants us to keep going in the wrong direction because that's where he is, the wrong direction to keep us from turning God's way. You remember in Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus had set his face to Jerusalem. He was actively headed that way. He knew what was waiting for him there. He knew the cross was waiting for him. He knew he was going to be given a mock trial and, and beaten and crucified and died and buried and raised the third day. He knew all of that was coming. And he was headed that way, and he began to tell his disciples who were behind him on the road, uh, hey, you know, we're, we're headed this way, and I, I'm, I'm going to be given over, and I'm going to be uh, beaten, I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to be buried, I'm going to be raised again the third day. And they're hearing all of this, and, they're, and Peter literally pulls him aside off the path and says, Jesus, no way. There's no way. This must never happen to you. And Jesus 
looked at Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, because you're a stumbling block to me. See, when we do make our minds up that we want to repent and stop going our direction and turn and go God's direction, we can expect some interference. We might even have to make a stand because somebody might be trying to pull us back down the wrong way and we might have we might you know have to even hurt somebody's feelings do you think it hurt peter's feelings when jesus said to him get behind me satan i just imagine it did you know we we might have to separate from some friends that are going the wrong way that want us to go that way with them Repenting really is the only way to live. It's the only way to prepare for the coming of the king. We all know that repentance, we're used to hearing that repentance is a part of our salvation, a part of our profession of our faith. And when we are baptized, we say those words. But when we come out of that water, we still need to repent. We don't ever stop repenting. It's an ongoing process of life. It's kind of like, have you ever driven a car that had an alignment problem? And uh, it, it pulled one way or the other? Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? That's that, Well, if, if your car is not like that, then that means you've had somebody that's taking care of that for you. Because if you don't take care of because I've driven cars before that pulled. This is, and if you were to let go of the wheel, you'd be pulled. You'd end up in the ditch is where you'd end up if you, if you didn't actively pull against the pull in the wrong direction. That's what our lives are like. We are human. We're fallen human beings, and we're prone to pull our own direction. Pull our own direction. If we let go, if we don't actively continue the process of changing our mind and changing our direction then we will end up in the ditch that's why the foremost characteristic of a Christian is somebody who knows how to repent how to repent thank God thank God for the final SI and that's the Spirit's intervention the Holy Spirit is the one who works in us who shows us that we're going the wrong way in the presence of the Holy Spirit our excuses start to melt away so what is it in your life that you need to have a change of mind over that you need to have a change of heart over what way are you pulling down that you need to pull the other way that's what the preparation stage is all about. That's what the call of John the Baptist and the call of Jesus in our life is all about. Let's pray. Lord, help us to begin by just being reminded that we can't do it on our own. 
we're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not talented enough. We're not good enough to do it on our own. But with you, all things are possible. So on one side we say, I can't. But on the other side we say, but you can. So we change our minds today, Lord. We change our minds, we change our hearts, we change our directions today. We want to head your way. We want to head your way. We want to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning.